This is Ion Health, delving into your overall well-being. With Arab Health. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Great to have you with us on Ion Health, brought to you by Arab Health, the Middle East leading healthcare event. We're talking artificial technology and how, well, there's lots of things going on behind the scenes that will literally blow your mind. Speaking next to an expert who is explaining exactly how he's hoping to treat patients when it comes to Alzheimer's, Parkinson's and even more. Very, very excited to be in conversation with one of the leading brains, Dr. Howard Newton. He is really at the fore when it comes to artificial intelligence and is a professor of computer neuroscience and functional neurosurgery at the University of Oxford. He's speaking to us from Washington, D.C. Um, and I've got many questions. The first one is a very basic one. How do we pronounce the name of your company? Nito is Neurons Input to Output. So it's spelled out when you read it, NITO as NEAT, and is a neuron's input output when you're looking at the functionality of it. So it's a three-dimensional name. <laughs> I love that. I feel like it should have some kind of like audio or sensory scent marketing around it just to make it the full, the full <laughs> sensory experience. Um, and I will stop you if you, if you get too, uh, too doctorly when it comes to some of the phrases. But for simple, in simple terms for people listening today, can you explain a little bit about what you and your team are working on right now? So we've basically been working on a way to interface between a neuron, which is the smallest, at least let's assume that it's the smallest element, actually much smaller elements than that, um, that interfaces with this um, electronic uh, 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 circuitry uh, made of uh, natural material called carbon nanotubes. And it records, so it reads from the brain, and it writes back to the brain. A disease comes from the anomaly of when the brain is not in harmony, and uh, you have basically a, a higher expressed output, um, and uh, you know things get basically out of equilibrium. So you're looking to implant those wearables involved when it comes to conditions such as Parkinson's, such as Alzheimer's. Millions of people worldwide, not to mention their families, affected by these conditions. Um, what stage is it at? So we produced a wearable, we refer to it as brain ciphering, um, that is non-surgical implant, uh, non-surgical BCI, brain-computer interface, almost where look the, hair, the headset that you're wearing. Um, and in fact, I will show it to you in a, uh, shortly. Um, and the other system is an implantable system that goes through the craniofacial passages, which means through the nostril upper part of the gum. Uh, both systems are capable of reading and writing to the brain uh, instructions to correct multiple conditions. Correct. When we treat the brain, yeah. So when we treat the brain, basically we treat it at, with pharmacological, so with a, you know, pharmaceutical solution that is a prescription known as a prescription. Um, we treat it with uh, electroceutical uh, or electrical solution. And the um, the most forefront way of doing it is to treat it by uh, computational instruction. And these computational instructions basically are highly precise that from one second to another, in the same person's brain, the instruction would differ. It sounds like highly personalized healthcare is not just the future, but this is something you're working on right now. Is this part of an evil plan to implant us all and control us all and start the Dr. Newton army? 
No, none of that. Um, so uh, the work originated from about 18 years ago when I personally was uh, uh, injured and I had uh, received a TBI, a traumatic brain injury. Um, I was not satisfied that the treatment methodology was the actual uh, adequate and correct way of solving the problem. So I went back to medical school and I studied the uh, 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 neurosurgery with specific focus on Parkinson and started focusing on designing this device that is the least intrusive, uh, that has a higher effect and is used for the widest range of disorders. Well, it's interesting you, you talk about not being intrusive because when it comes to a lot of conditions, it can be things like 12-hour surgeries, drilling into the skull um, and often um, severe after effects, side effects as well. Can you tell us what happened to you and why that treatment you felt like was inadequate? So I, uh, I received an injury. Um, I used to serve in the uh, uh, U.S. military and I received an injury uh, that basically affected my prefrontal lobe areas. You can actually see the scars to date. And um, that led to severe uh, cognitive uh, decline and, and uh, other problems. Um, so the solution is, you know, the pharma pharmacological solution was not adequate, has severe side effects. Um, and generally speaking, uh, was, uh, you know, one remedies fits all type of thing. So, yeah. So this is something that has changed your life and I'm sure in the moment was incredibly traumatic for you and everyone around you to see you living and behaving and feeling in a completely different way, but it's changed the direction of your life, presumably. Um, how do you feel about that incident looking back? Um, I, I think it was great. I spent uh, 11 years of a very you know, interesting career, more on the mathematics and cryptology type of uh, side. And, um, you know, the shift uh, of studying a human body and, and the biology, uh, I felt like it was the most noble, uh, beautiful thing, beautiful experience to learn about our uh, systems and uh, anything from the molecular level to uh, the brain, uh, which is essentially almost, almost a quantum machine. It's actually better than a quantum machine, but we can't find a descriptive way for it yet. Because we haven't <laughs> got the brain power. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. No. <laughs> it's such an interesting time to be talking about technology. And we've been speaking about how COVID in some ways has, has really kickstarted tech coming into health experience to go and help people who are having the likes of Alzheimer's or perhaps even are anticipating that that could be part in, a part of their life. When it comes to working with families and patients, how, how open are people to having what is a very futuristic method or even cure? I was surprised, you know, surprisingly, um, uh, you know, people are open for a solution. They don't know that it exists. And when they do, uh, they quite openly accepting. Um, they ask the usual question, would I be scarring my brain? Would I be opening this? Would I be doing that? And uh, you walk them through it. And as you will see in a few uh, minutes or seconds, the solution itself it's going to take me less than a minute to uh, set it up on my head and uh, it's self-administered and start operating on its own. Shall we have a look at it? Sure, sure. So this device is referred to as the B-Cypher. And the B-Cypher is essentially an EEG 
that uh, you wear it like this. So it's just on the top of your head. There's a band that goes round, and then you've got. Is that are those sensors across the top of your of your head, yeah, there, doctor? So this is doing a real time uh, EEG, um, so measurement of your brain. Uh, it's happening real time uh, on uh, the entire cortex. See the, the connection to the ear loop, and once it starts reading this, it transmits this to a box. Uh, I will bring that box right now. Obviously, this is a prototype, so this box is no longer this big. This box is about the size of a stack of coin. Uh, connect it, fire it, and if I was looking at the computer screen right now, I would start seeing the uh, various bands of ranges of frequency reading my brain. Then it creates a, a solution for the areas that have anomalies or out of uh, control. And the solution is manifested in um, uh, what we refer to as a recipe. Uh, and this recipe essentially is a modulation pattern. Um, what you don't see in this prototype yet is that we also stimulate by light. So we have probes that go inside the nose and probes that you put inside the ear. And you actually self-administer them. And they all talk to each other simultaneously uh, to this computer and does the stimulation for about 20 minutes. Uh, in the case of Parkinson, you find the tremors goes away almost immediately. To say that's life-changing, yeah. to say that life-changing is a complete understatement for a lot of people who might just might be living with neurological conditions, but they'll also be living with social stigmas or feeling unsure about being in the world, about their identity. Um, this is incredible. So can I ask you then, when it comes to the output of that wearable, do you as a doctor yeah. see that output? Is it, is it a case of you being able to anticipate being alerted to things that might be considered to be dangerous in that patient? Or is it all self-corrective kind of in real time? So it's, it's, all, happening, it's all happening real time over a span of 20 minutes. Um, the, the doctor can administer the first session and see the pattern and whatnot. Um, but essentially it's not needed because what happens, the EEG reads the pattern and uh, try to cipher it and understand it. That's why we call brain cipher. And reconstruct the corrective modulation pattern and injects that back through these tiny sensors that you see here. That's And it's tiny, really, really tiny, smaller than your thumb. Yeah. If, so, I, feel, I feel like I'm talking to... Well, I don't know. I feel like you're a man of the future. Um, and I'm, I'm really encouraged that patients and their families are really receptive to this. For anyone who's feeling a bit confused about the real-life application of a wearable such as this, if someone, perhaps, when we know genetic implications when it comes to some cognitive brain disorders, um, if someone is concerned that they are going to need uh, treatment, medication, surgeries, or in an ideal world, a, a non-invasive wearable such as this, what... What would their day-to-day -day look like with, with technology like this in their life as uh, a Parkinson's sufferer? How often would they wear this? Um, how often would they be ca you know, catching up with their doctor, either that's in real life or on you know, a Teams chat? What could the future look like? So we've seen it used uh, for no more than 20 minutes. Uh, the, the maximum number of sessions we've seen is about 14 sessions. 
Um, you can wear it while you're watching a movie. You can wear it while you're exercising. You can wear it in the shower. You can wear it while you're walking. Um, it, the, the time when you wear it is is uh, is not really uh, is not is not really a limiting factor. Um, and in one second, I'm going to show you the chip, which we refer to as a Kiwi chip, which is the next generation from that. Okay, that's now that's going to wow you even more. One <laughs> that, second. <laughs> Dr. Newton Howard with us this afternoon, giving us a tour of his uh, his DC apartment and also showing us some of the technology they are working on when it comes to dealing with the 10 million people who suffer with Parkinson's disease, um, really trying to avoid some of those invasive treatments. So to sh- show us this chip, this is the one that was going to go basically, as you said, almost, is it up the nose or behind, kind of behind? Yeah. It's, it's basically you put it through the nasal uh, uh, cavity and... Uh, so in the other system, what you saw essentially is this. Okay, so that's I'm just trying to think of a comparison. It's about the size of a pistachio. <laughs> Can you tell I'm right. hungry? <laughs> in the next generation, what we were planting in the brain, it's so small that I have to make an effort to see it, actually. And you've even got your amazing glasses on, so this must be tiny. And, and with my glasses. <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. That's abs- you can, you can I can barely see it being held between your finger and thumb. So that is what would Spider. be implanted. Yeah, wow. this can we can implant up to sixty-four of these. In the case of multiple sclerosis, uh, or in other cases, is about the size of a grain of salt. Um, what you can't see with your naked eye on this is that it has uh, a level one million uh, little follicle-like hair, uh, CNT, carbon nanotubes. And these are the things that interface with the brain. So this bag has hundreds of these. <laughs> Doctor, let, uh, I'm very curious. This is obviously years of research and development. Um, you have worked in some of the most exciting and futuristic labs in the world. How much is this going to cost, do you think, if it was come to market? Um, the cost of the entire system... Um, would be roughly in the lower hundreds. The current treatment is roughly 96,000 pounds. So um, the B cipher, which is self-administered, it's roughly about $300. Because I was thinking this is going to be this is going to be the preserve of, you know, billionaires with Parkinson's. I was like, this is going to be a very niche market for you and your team, but actually far more accessible than I'd realized. Is pennies. And it's not only, uh, this is an earlier generation of it, it also is still very small. Um, the, the chip used is in various applications, including IoT, uh, Internet of Things, um, uh, edge compute, uh, autonomous driving. Um, we basically took the model of the brain um, and we started designing the actual semiconductors from scratch. So the result is a semiconductor that operates on low power and low frequency, which is when you go buy a computer, you're essentially buying the next generation, which is higher power, higher frequency, higher, higher, higher. And with that comes temperature and power consumption. Well, we wanted something that matches the brain temperature and matches the brain power consumption. And that was our solution. 
You are appropriately blowing my mind today, <laughs> Doctor. Thank you. Can I ask you, aside from this technology, are you someone that embraces tech? Are you quite an early adopter in other parts of your life? Yes, I, I very much. Um, if the technology or the solution is out there, um, it, it, it's no longer um, of exciting interest. <laughs> I want to I I see it. Uh, so once we basically develop, um, so, you know, that's, that's the way innovation ought to be. You have to always be 20 years ahead. You are one to watch, and I cannot thank you enough for your generosity of your time uh, today for Ion Health. Doctors, thank you so, so much. If anyone wants to read about the work you're doing, find out more and even contact you about the applications for this years down the line, what's the best way of getting in touch, following your progress and checking out what you and the team are working on? Um, ni2o.com and my personal email is newton.howard at ni2o.com or my Oxford University Lab. Thank you so, so much. You are jet-setting around the world, inspiring and innovating, and I couldn't think of a better person to join us for this very special podcast. So thank you so, so much. Keep innovating, and uh, we're really excited to hear where this is going to go in the future. Thank you, my dear. Thank you. Thanks, Doctor. (laughs) Bye. Great to have you with us on this episode of Eye on Health. If you miss any of those guests, don't forget you can download the podcast over on the Dubai Eye website. And join us next week. We're discussing alternative versus conventional medicine. Are they in conflict? Can they work side by side? And we've got some amazing case studies for you too. Eye on Health on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Arab Health, uniting the healthcare community through business and education.